0: series is in Hebrews chapter 5 and, and chapter 6, and we'll begin our reading at um, verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 5. Um, verse 12 says, For though by this time, and this is the writer um, who is writing to the church of the Hebrews, and it's obviously the Holy Spirit who is using this particular writer to write to the church of the Of the Hebrews although by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age that is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil and then hebrews chapter 6 again, verse 1 therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so we see in this particular portion of Scripture that the the Holy Spirit reveals to us that there are six um, foundational doctrines to the, the Christian faith. And those six foundational doctrines are listed as repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Um, in referring to these as being the foundational doctrines that uh, are uh, applicable for the body of Christ, he's saying he's saying that these doctrines are for those who are babes in Christ. In other words, these are the doctrines that every newborn believer, should be aware of, should have full understanding of, so that they have a, a, a sure foundation in their walk um, as believers in Christ Jesus. And it is actually quite disturbing that there is majority of the church are not fully uh, understanding of these six basic funda- foundational doctrines um, in the body of Christ. Um, and so part of what we're doing here is we're basically going through all of them and today we're going to concentrate on the the fourth of those six foundational doctrines which is called the laying on of hands and it is a doctrine in the church it's a doctrine in the body of christ it's a doctrine that is given to us by the lord um, in order that we may uh, follow after the teachings of the lord and walk in the way that he's called us to walk but it is very important for all believers, not only uh, this particular uh, doctrine of laying on our hands, but to have a, a clear understanding of all of them, all six of those um, elementary principles of Christ. Um, and even if we are mature in the Lord, it is good for us to every now and then go back to these foundational principles and revisit them so that we can once again strengthen our foundations and make sure that we are on the right track, so to speak. Uh, Christians that have a, a clear understanding of these doctrines of these um, six foundational principles of uh, the Christian walk will go through their Christian walk in, in, a, in a manner whereby they will not be misled by any uh, strange doctrines that they will encounter because there are many strange doctrines out there and um, it's so important that we have these six doctrines in place in our uh, in our our understanding that we are fully aware exactly um, how these doctrines fit into uh, the christian walk because in doing that we will assure ourselves that we won't get misled by any strange doctrines um, that we come across as we we continue in our pilgrim pilgrimage on this in this life and so we're looking at the doctrine of laying on of hands and the first person we want to have a look at in this doctrine is our Lord Jesus Christ himself he is the perfect example and it is important for us to then look at the head of the church and see just how it is that he practiced this particular doctrine of laying on of hands and let's watch him and let's have a look at how he he operated in this ministry for it is a ministry so that we can emanate him so we can follow after his example um, and apply that to our own walk as believers in Christ and so we'll have a look at uh, a couple of scriptures along this line looking at our Lord Jesus Christ and there's two scriptures that I want to look at specifically at this point in time which is in Mark's Gospel Mark chapter 1 we're going to look at and then we're also going to have a look at Luke's Gospel Luke chapter 4 and we're basically going to have a look at uh, an account given to us uh, from the two Gospels of the same incident but the two accounts Show us the same incident from uh, two different perspectives. Mark's perspective and then Luke's perspective on the same incident. And then we'll also be touching on uh, some other aspects that are revealed to us in Luke's account as well. But let's go back to the scripture firstly and let's just read it in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 30. Um, Scripture says, But Simon's wife, wife's mother, lay sick with a fever. And they told him that is they told jesus about her at once so he jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them and so if we look at mark's account of this particular incident we've seen um, that uh, peter's mother-in-law is lying at home sick with a fever and the Lord comes into the home, um, and they tell the Lord, Lord, you know, Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Uh, would you do something about it? Obviously, they requested that he would um, heal her. And so he goes into the room where she's lying down, and um, Mark's account says that our Lord takes her by the hand, and he lifts her up. And immediately the fever leaves her, and she gets up and she serves him. So she's healed instantly. Um, and so if we look at Mark's account it looks like well that's what happened in this particular instance our Lord walked in uh, took um, Peter's mother-in-law's hand in his hand and the moment he did that the healing power went into her body and she was instantly healed and she got up and she served him and that is what we're led to believe um, of the account when we read it in Mark's gospel but if we go look at Luke's account of the exact same incident In Luke chapter 4 beginning at verse 38 we see something added to it that helps us to more clearly understand exactly how our Lord operated in this particular ministry of the laying on of hands for that is what the Lord had done in this instance he laid his hand on uh, Peter's mother-in-law's hand and had healed her but let's look at Luke's account scripture says now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and they made request of him concerning her. Remember, I said in Mark's account, he doesn't really say that, but they actually asked the Lord to heal her. And but in Luke's account, that's exactly what happened. They made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them. And so here we see Luke giving us a little bit more insight into what actually transpired on this occasion. Uh, Mark's account is that the Lord goes into the room, he takes uh, her hand in his hand, and the healing power flows into her body, and she's instantly healed. And she gets up and serves him. In Mark, in Luke's account, when he, when the Lord took her hand in his hand, he did something else. He rebuked the fever. And immediately had left her and so we see two things taking place when our Lord heals Peter's mother-in-law here and it's it, it's indicative of how the Lord operated in this particular uh, method of ministry in that he would lay his hands on the individual and he would rebuke the sickness that was in that individual at the same time and when he did that that is when the healing would have would take place in that person's body um, it's important that we see that the two are working in conjunction was not just a case of the Lord touching her and the healing power flowing into her body and she was then healed he also rebuked that sickness that was in her body at the exact same time and that is the main method that our Lord used in healing people through the laying on of hands let's continue with Luke's account um, going back to verse 40 Um, our lord has now healed uh peter's mother-in-law she served them and they're still in peter's house and it's getting dark and now what has happened and and this is as a result of the the miracle that had taken place in the synagogue earlier in that the lord had rebuked that particular unclean uh spirit that was in that what the individual and we won't go through that but what had happened as, it transpired as a result of that Is that now a whole bunch of people had come to Simon's house Seeking to be healed and to be delivered And so we're picking up the account in verse 40 of Luke uh, chapter 4 Scripture says When the sun was setting All those who had any that were sick with various diseases Brought them to him And he laid his hands on every one of them And healed them and demons also came out of many crying out and saying you are the christ the son of god and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the christ and so here we see our lord laying hands on every single one of them that had been brought to him not only those who were sick uh, with with uh, who had sickness in their bodies but also those who were um, possessed with demon spirits he laid his hands on them too and he would rebuke the demon spirits for the scripture says uh, and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak and so our Lord would speak to the sickness he would lay hands on the individual he would speak to the sickness he would rebuke it in Jesus it would not eat. okay <laughs> we say in Jesus name obviously our Lord Jesus didn't say in Jesus name he would just rebuke the sickness and the sickness would then leave the body uh, of that particular individual And that is the method that our Lord used in um, healing people um, through the laying on of hands. Our Lord Jesus has taught us that we are to lay hands on people that they may be healed. You remember the great commission in Mark's gospel, chapter 16. For those, and these are the signs that shall follow those who believe our Lord said. And one of the signs is they shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover and so that is something that our lord has instructed us to do as the body of christ we are to lay our hands on the sick and the sick will recover and if we look at the scriptures in the new testament and the old testament we see very few incidents it did happen under the old covenant that people laid hands on others uh, for certain uh, areas but it was not nearly as uh, as um Frequent As what we see under the new covenant and it really is under the the ministry of our Lord Jesus that we see this particular method of ministry of laying on of hands being used to a, a great degree for the very first time and our Lord has instructed his church to take that ministry and to continue that ministry as part of our walk as believers for these signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick. Will recover, and so our Lord Jesus taught us to lay hands on the sick so that they could be healed. Um, and our Lord laid hands on every single person who who He did heal. Now it's not always the case that our Lord laid hands on everyone. We're going to look at some of the some of scripture down the line to 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 see how our Lord actually did minister healing power. But it wasn't always through the laying on of hands. However, it is the primary way that our Lord healed people. He would lay hands we saw in uh, luke's gospel there luke chapter 4 he laid hands on all of them and he healed them and uh, many who had uh, demons in them uh, he cast those demons out through the laying on of hands so our lord would impart healing power into the individual through the laying on of hands there would be a transference of the anointing through his hands so that uh, people could be healed through the laying on of our lord's hands Another a couple of scriptures I want us to have a look at is in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 14, and then I would like to look at Luke chapter 6, and then also Acts chapter 10. I want to look at those three particular scriptures um, to have a look at how it is that the healing power was transferred uh, through our Lord's uh, hands when he laid on, uh, his hands on people. And so we'll pick up the verse uh, the very first scripture that I want to look at is Matthew chapter 14 beginning at verse 35. And the scripture says, "And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they, now look at this, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well." so he has something completely different now our lord is not laying hands in in luke's account luke's gospel that we saw earlier our lord laid hands on every single one who came to him and he healed them in that method but in this particular account um, when the the lord is healed in the people that are coming to Gennesaret um The scripture talks about the fact that they just touched his garment, the hem of his garment. And as many as touched his garment were made perfectly well. So there's no laying of hands that's taking place here. Our Lord is most probably walking in among them and they're reaching out and touching his garment. And as they do, they're being healed. Um, Luke's account of that incident in Luke chapter 6, verse 19, the scripture says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For power went out from him and healed them all and so we see that our Lord is anointed with power and that power is tangible and it is that power that they are trying to get a hold of when he walks past by touching his garment and the moment they do that power is released through his garment into their bodies effecting the healing that takes place in their bodies So how did that happen? In Acts chapter 10, we have a look at the scripture and it it, it gives us some revelation as to how it actually transpired that the Lord was able to impart the healing power of God even through the clothes that he wore. For it says in Acts chapter 10 at verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so, our Lord Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Our Lord walked this earth as a, a man, this, as, as the Son of Man. Very, very often, uh, when He was speaking, uh, He would refer to Himself as the Son of Man, uh, so much so that the, the Hebrews would ask Him, "Who is the Son of Man that you keep referring to?" He was talking about Himself, obviously, and. But when our Lord came to the earth, he came as a man. The scripture talks about the fact that he laid laid aside all of his glory. He had no inherent power in and of himself as the son of God, for he was the son of God um, when he walked this earth. But he walked this earth as he performed absolutely no miracles up until the time that he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you recall that when uh, uh, the time came and and the Lord's time uh, to begin ministry had had, uh, come on the earth, that he went to John and he incurred John's baptism. Uh, He went and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. When that happened, the Bible talks about the fact that God the Father then baptized him in the Holy Spirit. And and John saw the the Holy Spirit coming down upon our Lord in the bodily form of a dove and settling upon him. And at that time, God, our father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, At that time, our Lord was then driven by the spirit out into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted during that period of time. And he was tempted at the end of that temptation period. Our Lord comes back out of the wilderness. And the scripture talks about the fact that he now comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is at this time that now our Lord is anointed by the Holy Spirit to operate in the, the, the power of God. And we see that being made manifest um, in the very first, obviously the, the miracle that he performs in Cana of Galilee when he turns the water into wine, that's the first sign that he performs. But the first time that we see demons recognize our Lord is after he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and the first demon that recognizes him that we see in scripture is in that account where he's in Capernaum and uh, the unclean spirit our Lord is, is ministering and the unclean spirit cries out that man cries out the holy the demon within him uses that man's voice and says what have we to do with you son of God you know and he cries out and our Lord rebukes him and commands him to come out of the man now our Lord had been going to that synagogue Because the family had moved to Capernaum before that time. And our Lord had been in that synagogue with that same gentleman every Sabbath for a number of months. And that demon had been inside that man. And the Lord had been inside that same synagogue. The demon didn't recognize the Son of God at that particular time. However, now that our Lord's anointed with the Holy Spirit for the very first time, the demon recognizes Jesus as being the son of God and so the anointing coming upon our Lord after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit goes into the wilderness comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit is that that is the anointing that is um, used through the Lord by God in order to heal people and to heal the sick and to cast out demons and so the anointing that our Lord carried in his body was primarily in his hands. That is why our lord says they shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover for it is primarily through our hands that the holy spirit transfers the anointing into the bodies of those um, on which we lay hands and that's exactly what happened in our lord's case he would lay his hands on people and that anointing would flow from his hands into their body and cause the sickness to be uh dispersed and, and leave their bodies But our Lord was that anointed by the Holy Spirit because he walked in that degree of anointing. There was no hindrance to the power of God flowing through the Lord Um, because our Lord Jesus Christ, although he walked the earth as a man, never once did he ever commit any sin. And so he was the perfect vessel. There was nothing that hindered the power of God from, from flowing through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was that anointed by god that even the clothing that he wore um was was saturated with his with that anointing so much so that if anybody touched his clothes that anointing would flow out of his clothes into their bodies and affect the healing and so that is uh, the kind of anointing that our lord walked in um we don't see that in the church to the degree where our Lord walked, unless we compare it to the initial stages of the early church. You will recall that when the the church first began in Jerusalem, that the the anointing on the the apostles was that strong that even Peter walking in the streets or walking in the markets, his shadow falling upon people caused them to be healed. And that was a, a tremendous degree of anointing that was displayed in the apostles at at that particular time. Because the church was walking in a a different degree of anointing, there was such unity in the body of Christ at that time that the Holy Spirit could make himself manifest in that degree of power and and, and anointing. Because remember what the scripture says, how good and how uh, pleasant it is for the brethren to, to dwell together in unity there um, God commands his blessing, and that blessing is as the anointing oil flowing down on the beard of Aaron. Of speaking of the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the early church experienced this degree of anointing that our Lord con- constantly experienced in his ministry um, at that stage. But then division rose in the church. You recall the time when there was a dispute between the Hebrews and the Hellenists uh, at the table. And when that happened, that degree of anointing lifted from the church. And we don't ever see that degree of anointing being made manifest through the church again in the book of Acts. But it's a bit of a digression. But the point I really wanted to get across here was that our Lord was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And because of that anointing that was upon him, uh, he was able to minister that anointing through the laying on of hands to others around him so that they could be healed. And... Another important lesson we can learn here is that it's not God who limits the anointing. It is us. Our Lord Jesus had nothing that limited the anointing of God in his life. Uh, He walked as a perfect um, son of man. He never committed any sin. So there was no hindrance on his part with regards to the anointing of God flowing through him we to the degree that we walk um in purity and holiness before the lord that's to the degree that he can then impart his anointing power through our our vessels okay um and as i kind of have already alluded to that the book of acts the early church walked in that degree of anointing And so it is the the Father's will that each one of us walk in that degree of anointing. Now, our Lord, you know, walked in the anointing without measure because he operated in all the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to go touch on that particular topic today. But the point that I wanted to get across here was we hinder the power of God flowing through us by our lifestyle. The, The closer we walk with God the more of His power He can make manifest through us because we are then becoming more of a pure vessel for the power of God to flow through us. But To the degree that we have impurity in our life that hinders it's like a a a, a pipe i suppose a hose pipe with water flowing if there's blockages in there you're not going to get the full blast of the water coming through you're just going to get a bit of a trickle coming through because there's blockages in there take the blockages out the way and the water will flow and that's exactly what uh, uh, god expects of us and and, uh, would prefer to be able to uh, manifest through us and Jesus is our example because uh, God the Father could do that through his son for Jesus did not he- hinder the the anointing of God at all through his life let's have a look at another couple of scriptures um, to show us about how our Lord actually did use uh, the anointing to heal people and also that there were other methods that our Lord used to heal people in his ministry and the two scriptures we'll have a look at in Mark's gospel mark chapter five we're going to look at and then we'll also look at matthew's gospel matthew chapter eight to look at two different accounts one looking at the anointing of god and another looking at how the lord would use another method to heal people for the lord was not restricted to the laying of hands for healing people and neither are we by the way but um the doctrine is called the laying on of hands, and so we're really wanting to focus on that particular area in this teaching today. So let's go to have a look at Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 29. We're going to read. Scripture says, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Okay, so here we have a look at uh, uh, another incident. This is just a a one-on-one incident because remember the scriptures we looked at earlier in Luke's account and Matthew's account where everybody sought to just touch the hem of his garment, just sought to touch his clothes and many as touched his clothes were made perfectly well. This is one instance where this woman, she has this issue of blood and the, the background is for 12 years she suffered from the same affliction and she's gone to the doctors and she spent everything she had and she didn't get any better, she, in fact she got worse. Um, and she hears about Jesus. And she hears that if you, if you just get to touch his clothes, you get well. Uh, you, uh, you, he, there's, there's, a, there's a tangible power that comes out of his clothes if you just get to touch him. And so she says to herself, all right, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. And so she goes up in the crowd, and uh, she's the only one who touches our Lord in faith at that particular point in time uh the other time it was a whole lot of people that were touching but in this instance our lord is walking um background to the instance the lord um remember the i, I think it was the centurion no well anyway Jairus' daughter no one of the daughters yes um who's sick and read, about to die and the lord said i'll come i'll come and heal her and so he's walking with him to go and heal the little girl And the crowd is following because they obviously uh, are all excited. They want to see what Jesus is going to do. And they're hemming in all around the the Lord. The Bible talks about the fact that they were thronging him. She comes up. And she manages to get through the crowd and she manages to just touch the hem of his garment the moment she does that she feels that anointing that power going through from his clothes into her body and she feels in her body it's a tangible anointing a tangible power that she feels going into her body and she's healed instantly our Lord at the same time feels power going out of him okay now, he doesn't know who touched him. The Holy Spirit doesn't reveal that to him. He just knows power's gone out of me. So the Lord knows that in amongst this whole crowd of people that are onlookers, that are really just you know, curious to see what's going to happen, there's nobody there with faith. But he knows somebody with faith has touched him and has activated the power of God through him and so he turns around and he says who touched my clothes and there's a controversy that arises because the apostles say but you know because nobody comes forward nobody uh, you know oh, i didn't touch you know uh, and the apostles say but lord everybody's touching you so how can you say who touched me he said somebody's touched me um because i felt the power going out of me and so she now realizes that you know she needs to confess kind of and so she comes before the lord and falls down before him she confesses all she said lord you know this is what's happened and the, and the lord says no daughter well well done your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your your reflection and so that's basically what actually transpired the power of god flew uh, flowed from our lord through into her body she felt it he felt it that's exactly what the anointing is it's a tangible uh power that can be felt and all of us should be and have had come into some exposure to the tangible power of god flowing through your body i've had it to such a degree that it, it, my whole body was just Uh, like raw electricity flowing through and on, on more than one occasion I don't want to go down that road but the point is that the power of God is tangible can be felt coming into your body can be felt going out of the person who has been anointed by God to do the healing as in the case of our Lord Jesus Christ and so that's how this particular um Incident of healing took place and how the anointing was transferred from our lord into her body But have a look at matthew's account uh, of another account of healing, which is matthew chapter 8 and we'll read at verse 13 And jesus said to the centurion Go your way as you have believed so let it be done for you and his servant was healed that same hour So here we have our lord healing a person who's in another town And he heals him purely by speaking his word for he says, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed from that same hour. So our Lord was not limited to laying on of hands in order to heal people, in order to uh, have the anointing of the Holy Spirit flow from his body into their bodies. But it was the primary way that our Lord would heal people. Because, why is it? It was, I mean, the Lord's best, the Lord's best was to use his word. There were two two accounts where our lord marveled there were three accounts actually where our lord marveled about faith uh he marveled at the unbelief in the hometown of nazareth because they wouldn't believe him and so he marveled at the unbelief but there were two accounts where our lord marveled at faith and that was and they're both gentiles by the way um the one was the centurion um who said lord i don't need you to come unmoved only say the word and my servant shall be healed here we go that's that particular account right there and our lord said you know, such great faith I haven't found not even in Israel, and he marvelled at his faith. Um, and then the the, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, who was begging the Lord to to heal uh, her uh, demon possessed daughter, and uh, she was persistent in her faith to the point where our Lord said, "Oh daughter, great is your faith," because of that saying. And she, had, you know, the the, the the conversation had gone backwards and forwards between her and the Lord initially just silence on the Lord's part then the Lord insults her he says and, you know it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs she said yes Lord but even little dogs eat the scraps that fall from their master's table and the Lord says daughter for that same great is your faith be it unto you according to your uh, faith and her daughter was healed and so the, the Lord's best method of healing is for us to taking simply at his word Uh, and our lord marvels at that and that's something that that pleases the lord however majority of people do need to have a tangible um, touch that takes place and so laying on hands flesh on flesh um, is, is is the trigger for people to be able to release their faith um and that's what one of the things about laying on of hands the transference of the anointing takes place from the one person into the other when the laying on of hands takes place but it is also when the person's hands touches the other person's body when our lord placed his hands on people's body their faith was in the fact that his hands will heal my body when he touches me I shall be whole. Remember what the woman said? If I touch but his garment, I shall be whole. So her faith was in the fact that she had to touch his garment. There had to be that physical touch that took place. In doing that, acting by faith in doing that, it released the supernatural, tangible power of God, which she then felt going into her body and healing her. But the physical touch had to take place first. And that was her act of faith. That was a point of contact, her point of faith. She needed that touch of his garment as in other cases, other accounts in, in Luke's gospel, where they just needed to touch his garment to be made well. Uh, but their faith was in the fact that if they can just touch his garment, they would be made well. And the others, is, I can just get him to lay hands on me, I will be made well. And so the Lord meets us where we are at our level of faith. And laying on of hands is one of those that he meets us at. But it's not always the case that um, healing took place instantaneously when our Lord laid hands on people. Most of the time that was the case because the the the, the circumstances were conducive to the power of God being made manifest and flow uh, without any hindrance. Because what happened is, people would come expecting to be healed. They came to uh, Simon's house in the evening uh, because they had already seen a miracle take place and so they were coming this man is anointed by god if i can get him to lay hands on me i know i will be healed so they come coming in expectant faith there's nothing that's hindering the power of god jesus is certainly not hindering the power of god flowing through him we've already seen that he was the perfect vessel and so the, per- the power of god could easily flow through our lord jesus our lord jesus was, was willing and able to lay hands on everybody and heal them all he required of them was to believe that when he touched them that the power of god would flow from his hands into their bodies and affect the healing and so there was no hindrance there There was no hindrance on the part of of those people coming to receive from him because they were coming with faith. They were healing to take place. And so tremendous power, tremendous miracles taking place consistently, easily. And most of the time, if not nearly all of the time, those people were instantly healed. Okay? And what that did, especially you, you think about the fact that you're talking about somebody who's blind, who's in the queue in front of you. Okay, you're standing before the, uh, the Lord. You wanted to be healed. Um, you have I don't know a wart in your hand for argument's sake, and the guy in front of you is blind. The Lord lays hands on him, and he can see instantaneously. Straight away, your faith goes up even more because wait a minute, if he can get a blind man can be healed, my wart's going to be a problem with him. And so, the the faith level is that high. The anointing is just flowing. that the the, the, the healings are taking place instantaneously, but. That didn't always happen like that because there were instances where the faith level was not that high and where healings did not take place instantly. We're talking about in our Lord's ministry now. Remember, we're looking at Jesus Christ as our example. Um, and so let's have a look at a couple of accounts in Scripture of where healing took place, but it wasn't instantaneous, and our Lord had to put in some effort in order to get the person healed. And he did. Let's have a look at it. Let's watch it. Mark chapter 4 is the first outline. Mark chapter 8 is the first account we're going to have a look at. And uh, we're going to begin our reading in uh, verse 22. Um, speaking of our Lord Jesus, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Now, you need to listen to this account and then we'll expand on it and we'll, and we'll, I'll comment on it so that you can see actually what's happening here. They, they're begging our Lord to heal this particular person. All right? It's not a case of, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. and say, I'm willing, come forward, let me heal you. Okay? They're begging our Lord to heal this particular individual. So he took the blind man by the hand. So our Lord doesn't just go and say, all right, come here, let me lay hands on you. He takes the blind man by the hand And he led him out of the town. Okay, so there's some more that's taking place here. This is not a simple healing that's taking place. And now our Lord does something even more. He says, and the scripture says, And when he had spat on his eyes, he put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, there's another man speaking, he says, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands, this is Jesus now, he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away, this is Jesus, sent him the man away to his house saying, neither go into into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Okay, so let's unpack this particular healing because this healing was not instantaneous. This healing took time. Why is that? okay there's a number of reasons one of them firstly is that this particular man was not strong in faith and our lord perceived it in him that this was not a man who was uh expecting uh the lord to heal him that uh, you know if he i can just touch his clothes i'm going to be healed I'll, i'll 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 be able to see um our lord is reluctant to lay hands on this particular individual they have to beg the lord to heal him um and that's not normally the case with our Lord. Whoever comes to him, uh, remember the leper, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. The Lord said, I'm willing, to be cleansed and healed. And that's exactly what happened instantaneously because the Lord perceived that man was coming to him in faith, expecting it would be easy for him to lay hands on him. This particular person, the Lord knew, didn't have strong faith and wasn't really walking in, in, in a strong degree of faith. And so the Lord was reluctant to lay hands on him. So the the people that bring, because the guy doesn't come you know, expecting, they have to beg the Lord to heal him. Something else that has to happen here (coughs) is that the Lord has to take the man out of the town. Now, there's a whole bunch of people that were walking, following the Lord at that time, a whole lot of onlookers. These people were not in faith. These people were just wanting to, they were spectators and they were uh, curious onlookers. And if anything, they were in unbelief you know um, that you know is, is this prophet going to be able to do anything here and so their unbelief was also acting as a hindrance to the power of God flowing through our Lord Jesus Christ unbelief in in the crowd is always going to be a hindrance uh, to the power of God flowing through think about our Lord Jesus Christ again when he went to the, his own town of Nazareth Bible says he could do no mighty works there except he lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them because of their unbelief. So their unbelief was preventing the power of God from flowing through him. So in this particular instance, our Lord has to take the blind man by the hand and he leads him out of out of the town. He makes sure that everybody else stays behind, except uh, obviously some of his disciples. The Bible doesn't uh, point out to us which disciples he allowed, but he only allows certain of his disciples to follow him. Um, on this particular instance it's very similar to when Jairus's daughter dies well yeah she does die uh, on the way because when that happened remember when Jairus' daughter died they come they say to him you know don't bother the master anymore your daughter's died and our Lord says to him don't be afraid only believe At that instance, the Bible talks about the fact that our Lord took with him Peter, James, and John, those three disciples only. He only allowed those three to follow him. The rest of the people he would not allow to follow him. And so what had actually happened was he had instructed the rest of his ministry team, because he had a fairly uh, sizable team that was with him at all times, to keep the crowds back and to make sure that they didn't follow. Because our Lord was going to raise this little girl from the dead. He did not need unbelief, unbelieving spectators coming along and saying, oh, let's see if this guy can do this kind of thing, Um, because that would be a hindrance to the power of God flowing. Remember when he got to the house, he put everybody out. He only took the father and the mother and Peter, James, and John into the room with him because in order for the power of God to be made manifest, he needed belief in the place and not unbelief. And so in this instance over here as well, the Lord has to remove this blind man from this uh, um, environment of unbelief because there's a whole lot of spectators who are just, you know, let's see if something can happen here. And so our Lord pulls him away out of the town. So there's a, a couple of things we see. seen. David beg the Lord to heal him. Our Lord's reluctant. He takes him, he said, okay. and he takes him out of the town. Now, when he takes him out of the town, our Lord doesn't then just go lay hands on the blind man and, and say, be healed, you know, and, uh, open eyes. Okay, whatever our Lord would say. Um, no, he does something even more here. He spits on the man's eyes. Okay, so our Lord is really doing uh, he's going to the, he's going the extra mile to get this man to release his faith to be able to receive his healing. Because our Lord knows, he perceives, he knows this man is not really at the level of faith where he, he can instantaneously receive his healing from the Lord. And so our Lord does something extra. He, our Lord didn't think, oh, well, you know, I'm so bored of, of laying hands. Let, let me spit on the guy's eyes for a change. You know, let's see what happens. No, no, no. Our Lord is doing all that he can do to get this man to release his face so that he can be healed and his eyes can be opened it's like when we anoint people with oil when you anoint people with oil it's just another mechanism to get people to release their faith because when they feel the anointing oil that flowing over their body it's a type of feeling the anointing of the power of the holy spirit flowing over their body and it's another way for them to activate and release their faith so in this case this man feeling the lord's spittle on his eyes was another way of him to be able to activate his faith that spittle flowing it sounds kind of weird but that's exactly what happened uh flowing on his eyes uh, to activate his faith, so he could release his faith and be healed even with all that help that the lord had given him in that the lord had taken him out of that environment the lord had now spat on his eyes and the lord had laid hands on his eyes as well uh, because the Bible says he spat in his eyes and put his hands on him he asked him if he saw, any, saw anything he said he looked up he said I see men like trees walking so even among all all that the Lord's done he still doesn't receive full healing instantaneously he receives partial healing and so in effect the, the healing is taking uh, taking place it's starting to happen Okay, he can now see um, men like trees walking but he can't see clearly yet And so our Lord said, okay, come here. And he lays hands on him again, the scripture says. Uh, uh, Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And we know that no one from the town was allowed to see that particular miracle. The Lord did not allow anybody to follow him because our Lord's instruction to that man is neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Okay, so they didn't, our Lord wouldn't have had to say that if they had all been standing around watching, they weren't. It was this man, plus our Lord, plus maybe a Peter, James, and John again, um, who witnessed this particular miracle. And we learn a couple of things here, we learn a, a, a few things here. And the, one is, is that if you're in an environment, when you're going to lay hands on somebody to, to heal them, not always... Are they going to be healed instantly? It is very important for us when we lay hands on people to discern where they are at in their, at their level of faith. Okay? Most of us okay today, if somebody would be brought before us in this particular situation and you know we were laying hands on people and people would re- bring, won't you please lay hands on this person so they'd be healed? We would lay hands on the person and nothing would happen because that man's faith was not there yet at that particular point to receive straight away from God. And so it's very important for us to, to be led of the Holy Spirit so we can perceive just what level of faith the person is at who is standing before you wanting to be healed through you. Okay, that's the first step. You need to perceive where their faith level is at. And one of the ways you do that is you be led of the Holy Spirit. But the other way is also you just ask the person, you know, you know what's the Lord going to do for you now? Do you believe that the Lord can heal you? instantly are you actually going to be receive instantly or do you believe that the lord can heal you gradually do you believe that as i lay hands on you now that you you will begin to recover Uh, and, and so we need to find out where that person is because it's at that level that we meet the person the other thing we need to do is we need to remove the influence of unbelief from the environment that we're in so in other words, if the environment is not conducive to to the power of God just flowing through and being and healing, remember what we spoke the, the con- contrast in our lord's ministry uh, when our Lord is laid on the hands of people in uh, outside of in Simon's house, everybody's getting healed as they come in uh, or this this man in this particular instance and the, the the two scenarios are unbelief in the in the environment, no unbelief in the environment, and so make sure that either there isn't any unbelief in the environment or take the person away from the unbelieving environment. Get them alone where you can meet and pray for them and counsel them uh, one-on-one, as our Lord did in this instance. He took that blind man out of the town by himself so you could minister to him. And then be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit because it might be that the Lord wants you to spit on the person's eyes, I don't know. Um, It might be that the Lord says, use uh, 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 oil on this person. pour the anointing oil on this particular person uh, and that will help this person to release their faith because the holy spirit wants to heal the person and so god will meet the person at their point where they're at at that particular point so we can learn that from our lord as an example on how to lay hands on people in order to get them healed The other aspect of laying on of hands that our lord used uh, was to cast out demons and so let's have a look at an account of when our lord cast out demons out of a particular person Um, and again most of the time when our lord would cast out demons out of people instantaneously that demon would cry out and come out of the person it would be that uh, quick and that uh, powerful because the anointing was present Um, and God was able to deal with those demons straight away there and then, but not always did it happen instantaneously let us have a look at the account uh, in Mark chapter 5 and we'll read the account and then we'll comment on it so we can see that when it comes to delivering people that who that have uh, demons who are affecting them Um, and there are people that have demons who are affecting them physically um, and mentally and uh i don't want to go any further on that particular topic right now but let's have a look at this particular account in scripture mark chapter 5 beginning at verse 1. then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the gadarenes and when he had come out of the boat talking about our lord immediately they met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit moving on to verse 6 when he saw Jesus from afar that is now the man and also the the demon who is in the man when he saw Jesus from afar he ran and worshiped him verse 7 and he cried out with a loud voice and said what have I to do with you Jesus son of the most high God I implore you by God that you do not torment me Now. This is when our Lord is involved, verse 8 says, For he said to him, this is Jesus speaking now to the demon, Come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? This is the Lord again. And he answered, this is the demon speaking back to the Lord, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Um, also he bid him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. In Verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding there, near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out, of them, out, went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Okay, so here we have quite a detailed account of our Lord casting out this particular demon uh, from this individual. And obviously this this was a very powerful demon because this individual, if you go back and you read the account, um, he was so demon-possessed that they had tried to bind him with chains and he broke the chains. And he would uh, cut himself and he would wander um, through the tombs and through the mountains screaming and crying and cutting himself. And uh, he was really demon-possessed and if you look at the account he had a whole bunch of demons living inside of him there were two thousand swine the bible says and all of the demons went into the swine and the whole herd went down into the sea and and, uh, killed themselves and so there were at least two thousand demons inside this man over and above the demon who had taken possession of the man that demon's name was legion So let's have a look at the account. Our Lord comes out of the boat. When he comes out of the boat, the man and the demon in the man sees our Lord. The demon immediately runs to the Lord, begins to worship him as the Son of God. As remember we said, when our Lord was baptized in the Holy Spirit, now all the demons start to recognize Jesus for who he is. And so he comes, and he worships the Lord. At that particular time, our Lord, like always, commands the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Now, normally that's exactly what would happen. It might be that the demon would cry out with a loud voice and then come out of the man. But in all instances, up until this point, we see the demons coming out when our Lord rebukes them and tells them to come out. In this instance, doesn't happen. Our Lord commands the demon to come out. He doesn't come out. What he does is he speaks to the Lord. And he says, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Um, for in another account in scripture, the Bible says, for, for he had commanded the demon to come out. Okay, in this account it says, for he said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. So our Lord commands the demon to come out. The demon doesn't come out, the demon speaks back to the Lord and says, what have I to do with you? Um, and in another account, the scripture talks about, have you come to torment us before the time? Um, And so the demon answers the lord and so the lord realizes there's more to be done to cast this particular demon out i have to do more and so what he does is your name so the demon speaks back to the lord and then our lord says what is your name okay so there's something else that our lord needs to do in order to get this particular demon cast out of this man and one of the things he has to do he has to find out what the demon's name is Um, and it might be that when we are encountering people that we need need to be casting demons out of and they don't come out initially that this is a route that we have to go that we need to then ask that demon what that that demon's name is you recall the account when um, the Lord's disciples were trying to cast out that uh, demon of that epileptic young man and the demon wouldn't come out and the reason that demon wouldn't come out was because Our Lord said, this particular kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And the disciples hadn't been spending any time in uh, in fasting and very little time in prayer. So that that demon knew that, and so he never came out. Um, The disciples didn't understand, because up until that particular instance, whenever they cast out a demon in the name of Jesus, the demon always left. But in that particular instance, it didn't. And so they didn't understand, that's why they said to the Lord, Lord, why couldn't we cast it out? And then the Lord said, because he had unbelief, one of the reasons. Um, But the other one was that that particular demon would only respond to one who had been spending time in prayer and fasting. This particular demon would only respond once the Lord knew his name. I don't understand why that has to happen. We're looking at our Lord's ministry. If our Lord had to find out what the demon's name was to get the demon cast out, there's going to be times we're going to have to find out what the demon's name is to get the demon cast out. And so our Lord asks him, what's your name? He gives him his name. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then he begs him that he wouldn't send him out of the country. Another account in the Gospels talks about that he begs him that the Lord will not cast him into the abyss, because obviously the demons do not want to be cast into the bottomless but at this particular point in time. It is not yet their time. Um, And so they asked the Lord, can we go into the... Now what happens in the spirit? Up until this point in time, the demon has been using the man's voice because the demon had possessed the man. And so the demon could speak with the man's voice. But what happens now, the scripture talks about the fact... um, So in verse 12, so all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And so here we have an instance where... All and could be at least 2,000 demons speak at the same time. Now all 2,000 demons do not speak through that man's voice. What happens now is our Lord hears the demons speaking in the spirit realm. Our Lord is now operating in the gift of, of discerning of spirits. And he hears all of the demons begging him, uh, can they be cast into the herd of swine? And our Lord gives them permission to go into the herd of swine. And they do and the man is set free I said all of that and we want to look at all of that particular instance just to show you that it wasn't always the case whereby there was an instantaneous deliverance that took place when our Lord Jesus ministered to those who were deemed possessed there were times when our Lord had to take a bit of time to get the person delivered and if our Lord had to take a bit of time to get that particular in, individual delivered, we're also gonna have to take a bit of time to get certain people delivered uh, when we come across uh, those who are in fact uh, possessed by demons. And so it's important for us to be led of the Holy Spirit in all of these instances when we are ministering through the laying of hands to have people uh, delivered from uh, demonic uh, oppression or demonic possession or whatever it might be And also to heal them of whatever illnesses and sicknesses that they might have and then I want to end off this teaching today just on having a look a little bit more closely at our Lord's ministry when he was on the earth because we're looking uh, in this particular account um, teaching today at Jesus as being our example in the laying on of hands and how we, we go about uh, ministering in this particular ministry and there's two scriptures i want us to look at and the w- one is in hebrews chapter 2 and the other one is in psalm 35 and those are the two scriptures that we'll close off with um, in viewing having a look at, at the behind the scenes aspect of our lord's ministry and let's read the scripture and then i'm going to comment on, on them hebrews chapter 2 beginning at verse 17 The scripture says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Um, And then uh, Psalm 35, beginning at verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth, I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. And so the first scripture that we had looked at in Hebrews uh, chapter two, the scripture says very plainly that he had to be made in all things like his brethren. Our Lord Jesus was just like we are. Except for one thing, he never committed any sin. He worked. He walked perfectly before God the Father all of his life, even from a little toddler, from the moment he was born. Never once committed any sin. How did he do that? I don't know. He did it. He's God. Uh, we'll know that one day. But the Scripture also says to me, and very plainly to each one of us, that he had to be made just like we are jesus had exactly the same kind of uh physical bodies that we walk in um sinless definitely but he got tired remember when he was walking uh, on his way to um he stopped off at the uh, cycle uh he, the bible said he was wearied from his journey and uh, he, he, he fell asleep in, in, on the boat when they were crossing on, on the lake of Gennesaret. And so our Lord would get tired physically because he had the same kind of body that we have. And he was tempted exactly with the same temptations we're tempted yet without sin. So Jesus walked this earth as the Son of Man. We need to understand that so very clearly because we can't look at Jesus as our example if we can't walk as our example. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says, he who abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked. And we abide in Christ. So we ought to walk even as Christ walked. We have that inherent ability within us to walk even as Jesus walked. You remember when, uh, even when our Lord was walking on the earth, quite often he would say to the disciples, where's your faith? The reason the Lord would say that to them Was because he was walking in the same faith that was available to every Jewish uh, believer on on the planet at that time. Jesus didn't have any special faith that the rest of them did not have. All that Jesus had done was he'd taken his faith and developed it. The Bible talks about the fact when he was growing he grew strong in spirit. He spent time meditating upon the Word of God and, and praying and so he developed his faith he grew strong in spirit and so from that point of view he was different to the others uh, the disciples and everybody else who was uh, on the planet at that time but he he didn't have access to anything more than what they had except the power of the Holy Spirit because he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized by John no one else could receive the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit at that time for Jesus had not yet been glorified but everybody could have access to the same faith that Jesus had. Not everybody had developed their faith like Jesus had, and so that was the difference. But the point is that Jesus walked and was made like we are, and we are able to walk like him. We can now walk like him because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are born again. We are born of God. We have the inherent ability to walk and live just as Jesus walked. And so it's very important that we know that. We don't look at Jesus and we say okay well that's Jesus, Jesus could do that because Jesus was Jesus. No, Jesus could do that because Jesus was Jesus from the point of view of Jesus walked as he should walk and if we could, we will walk as we should walk, we will walk as Jesus walked. Get that into your head, it's very important because that is where you should be walking. Um, so. How did Jesus walk? Have a look at that again in Psalm 35. Psalm 35 is an insight that the Lord gives us into his own prayer life while he was on the earth. And so we look at our Lord and we say, gee, he was so anointed of God. He was anointed of God, definitely. But part of the reason that he was anointed of God, remember, he went into the wilderness, tempted for uh, 40 days, 40 nights, fasted 40 days, 40 nights. And so our Lord did many things. And one of the things that our Lord used to do, he used to pray and he used to fast. And what he said to the the disciples, why couldn't we cast it out, Lord? He said, this kind comes out except by prayer and fasting. Who cast him out? Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus prayed and fasted, where his disciples didn't. And here's an insight in verse 35. Um, chapter 35 verse 13 and 14 says but as for me this is now lord speaking about himself when he was on the earth when they were sick talking about all those who he healed in his earthly ministry my clothing was sackcloth i humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart i paced about as though he were my friend or brother, I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. And so here we've seen our Lord in his prayer life. Remember our Lord used to go out into the wilderness up on the mountain many times on his own to pray. This is the kind of praying that our Lord would do. Praying that God the Father would use him to minister to the sick. And fasting that God the Father would use him to minister to the sick. And he prayed, and he paced about as though these people that were strangers to him in the natural, okay? Uh, he was God, and, and he knew each one of them intimately. However, he walked as as a man. So in the natural, he, they were strangers to him. But he he interceded for them as if they were his own mother and his own brothers and his own friends and he fasted for them and he wore sackcloth for them and so he interceded and because of that kind of degree of commitment and intercessory prayer God the Father anointed him to that nth degree and allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through him to that nth degree so that he could minister the power of God in healing those who were sick and oppressed by the devil for remember what the scripture said earlier when we read how god anointed jesus of nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were repressed by the devil and so we as sons of god as disciples of the lord jesus christ if we're going to operate through the laying out of hands as our lord operated for we've been looking at his ministry this afternoon to to get an idea of how this ministry actually works We're going to have to follow through all the way from our prayer life as our Lord would pray and intercede for those that he was going to be uh, laying hands on the following day um, that the Father would use him and allow the anointing to flow through him and intercede for the sick. Then we're going to have to have that exact same passion and anointing uh, in our prayer life in order for the anointing to flow through our hands when we lay hands on the sick that they may recover. It's not just a case of, oh, Lord, here we go. Your word says it, I'll do it, and in Jesus' name is going to happen. We're not going to see the kind of results that our Lord saw um, and the early apostles saw if we do not give ourselves to the same uh, commitment that our Lord gave himself to for this particular aspect of ministry to take place in our lives. And that is all we're going to look at today with regards to our Lord's um, ministry in the laying in our hands. The next topic we're going to look at uh, on the same subject the later on hands is the fact that there are different anointings uh that are given to the body of christ but we're going to end off the teaching on that particular point today amen